Hello, my friends. It's Ryan from the Prolific Creator Podcast. Now, many of you have asked, hey, Ryan, how do I support the show? Well, I finally listened. Starting today, you can subscribe to the Prolific Creator Plus on ACAST Plus for $3 a month. That's less than a cup of coffee. No apps to download and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Get access to the entire archive of Prolific Creator Awesomeness. Over 160 episodes going back to 2017. Yes, that's right, my friends. A plethora of information and inspiration, tips, tricks, and interviews to get your art and work into the world. Remember those ads? Say bye, bye, bye. Wait, there's more. For $5 a month, you can get access to the full prolific creator experience. This includes the full archives, early access to episodes, listener Q&A, book and movie reviews, and interviews not for the public, and perhaps any other awesomeness I might do on the microphone. Sounds awesome, right? Yeah, it does, Ryan. If you want to listen for free, you'll notice the last 50 episodes or so will always be available wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, by subscribing today, you don't have to download any new apps, and you can simply keep listening on the podcast platform you prefer. Cool. Okay. Cool. Thanks for your love and support in advance. Simply click on the link in the show notes or on my website, and it'll take you where you need to go. Now on to the show. Welcome to the Prolific Writer Podcast, where speed's the name of the game. Follow an indie author and publisher and his guests as they share inspiration, tips, and advice on writing fast, writing often, and writing well, so you can do the same. Here's Ryan. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm Ryan, your host of the Prolific Writer Podcast. Really glad that you're here and glad you joined us. This podcast is dedicated to writing fast, writing often, and writing well. And so welcome to the second episode. Hopefully you enjoyed the first episode about writing for the love. And when you write for the love, you write for the passion, you'll write. You just do it. You will. Promise. You just do it. When you love it, you'll find the time. You'll make it happen. You're right in the cracks of your life. And so if you haven't checked that out, check out episode one, go back and listen. Hey, just want to let you know a couple things going on in my world. Uh, as far as the publishing company goes, rockhousepublishing.com. Want to pimp a couple books. That's part of it too. Um, I can do what I want. It's my, my podcast. So uh, a couple things coming out. Um, Antique Assassin book two is coming out in print and uh, audio in a few weeks. Uh, print should be hopefully up, um, uh, depending on when you listen to this in the next week or so. Uh, so we're December ish, December eight ish, maybe by December 12, 15 before Christmas. I know that. So final edits on that, getting the formatting all done with that. So antique assassin book two, if you haven't checked that out, check it out. There's also antique assassin book one, because if there was only book two, that would be very strange or very meta or very weird. Uh, so check that out. Love that story. Um, fun story by Ryan Bennett. It's a great story about a antique dealer living in a small town, becomes a hitman, becomes an assassin and, uh, all kinds of heck breaks loose. Um, his father comes home from prison 
and uh, they reunite and his dad brings all kinds of trouble with him and uh, they find themselves in some bad, bad situations. Fun, fast read. So check that out. Antique Assassin book two. Um, and uh, you'll see that. I think an ebook's already out. So check that out. Um, also have some new edits um, and new formatting for a couple older titles uh, that have been out there. Uh, one is The Gospel Marinated Soul, which is a book about um, learning how to meditate and read and uh, study the Bible well. And so um, one of our nonfiction kind of spiritual titles. So um, that one's been reformatted, new cover, beautiful cover. Um, and you can check out um, honeystreet.com. That's uh, Matt Badgett, his uh, design company, and does a great job for our covers. And uh, you'll really enjoy his his work. But he's always doing great stuff for us, part of our team as well. And uh, so check him out. Um, but new cover, uh, some new formatting, some new editing. So it's um, one of those things that just a little tip trick is that when you write and you write fast and you write often, um, it's really good to go back and kind of look at your work again. And it doesn't mean you have to rewrite it and maybe need to, or maybe add some things or change some things, but, but just sometimes this needs a new cover needs, needs a new feel. Um, you you've grown as a writer and so you add some things in. And so that's, um, a little bit what we did there. And, uh, so that should be out uh, soon. We have a couple other titles. We're kind of revamping with covers and formatting and things, making them look pretty and nice, uh, for those that, that pick them up and read them and want that to be a good experience for, uh, those who, uh, get to read those titles. So, that's part of it too. We want things to look nice and want the reader to have a good experience with that. And, uh, and the, so anyway, um, that's all I got for that. Uh, but Hey, I wanted to jump into the topic for today and, uh, ran across an article that kind of inspired this subject about being prolific. Um, it's on a website called writetodone.com and it's a, actually a great, great website. Um, I'll put those, uh, that website in the uh, show notes there. Um, but it, it was seven habits of a highly prolific writer, seven habits of a highly prolific writer. Um, and, and some of these things are, are pretty obvious. Some of these things are pretty straightforward, uh, but I wanted to share a couple of these things and um, give a little bit of my own insight, my own take on them. Some of them I agree, some of them I disagree, but I'll add a little bit of color. But 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 I think there are certain things that we can kind of implement into our daily schedule, into our daily life um, that is important for becoming prolific, for writing fast, writing often, writing well. And so some of these, again, you, you probably go, oh, that, that's pretty obvious, but, but, but I'll give a little, little bit of insight into maybe how that works or, or how that could work for you. Um, and again, I'm not telling you what to do. You'll have to figure that out on your own, as far as your own life and your own rhythms and, and all that. Um, but, but this is a pretty, pretty helpful article and some good insight, I think, for uh, uh, just writing, again, f- prolifically writing fast, writing often, and, and writing writing well. So so the first thing, and, and, I, and I will say this um, before we even jump in, is um, the last 24 hours I've had a really difficult, some difficult things happen. And, and again, these are like silly things, not like I have cancer or anything, but um, like one, we're in the middle of winter here in the Midwest and uh, went to go after work, go and open my door to my car. And I ripped, literally ripped the handle off the car, um, frozen, broke, snapped off. So a little bit of frustrating. Can't get in the car, can't open the door, have to go around and climb through and open the door. So that's kind of annoying. So that was one thing kind of threw me off, come home from work. The evening was fine. Um, and then this morning, um, the Christmas tree decided to fall over. And as we're sitting there kind of getting all the kids to, 
to school and uh, getting ready for work, uh, the kid, the, the, the Christmas tree literally fell over right in front of us, um, unprovoked. And so having to deal with that, can't get it back in, can't get it to stay up. It's just a mess, water everywhere, broken ornaments, kids crying, gnashing of teeth, um, all the above. So all the point is again, my troubles, if that's the worst thing that happens in the next week, it's, it's not that bad. But the point is those things happen. And so, uh, life gets thrown off. Um, we don't need to obsess if we don't get to those writing, uh, habits and, uh, life happens and frustration happens. But even in the midst of the frustration, even in the midst when things aren't going well and things are struggle, you can still find time uh, to write. And so, um, so the first one here, uh, which kind of flows into that is routine, um, is routine. And so, um, that's pretty obvious. But but the but the the reality is that um, the article says to we need to write daily and write often, which, which is kind of our mantra around here. Um, but but routine, I know it gets a bad name, and and you know we're creatives and we're art artists, and routine is is really bad. And I don't want routine because it stifles my creativity. Um, but but the reality is, if you're just a floating spirit. Uh, if you're just waiting for the muse, you're waiting for that inspiration. I promise you, you're not going to produce much work and you're not going to share much work. You're not going to ship much work. Routine is vital. Uh, setting up a routine, a daily habit to put your butt in your chair, put your hand on the pencil, put your hands on the keypad, the keyboard, whatever, uh, you need routine. And, and so if you want to make a living and you want to be full-time and, and you want to produce a lot of work, uh, even if you don't, um, want to be full-time, but, but if you want to write full-time, um, you, you need a routine. And so, uh, but, but what I want to say, and I w- want to give a caveat to that is, uh, that's going to be your own routine, uh, depending on your life. Some of us, you know, work night shifts, day shifts, um, work other jobs, have families, have responsibilities. And so yeah, that routine, that writing routine may be late in the evening, maybe early in the morning, maybe over lunch, uh, but you need to figure out what, what that is. Um, and, and again, I don't want to be legalistic about it or, or say, this is the only way to do it. I'm going to leave that up to you, but, but you need to build out kind of a routine. Now, the other part of routine that I think is so important and why it's because we're wired that way there's a muscle that happens. And so when I come down into my, my writing office and it's, it's in the evening typically, um, because I have small children and, and so, you know, my wife goes to bed or, or, um, she's just hanging out and and I, and I come down to my office. Um, it's set up for me to write. Um, it's kind of drawing me in and saying, this is where you write. Um, now again, I know people write in coffee shops, um, right on the couch, uh, in their favorite chair on the back patio, whatever. And that's fine. Um, but you kind of need a place, um, not just a routine, but you need a place because there's something about our bodies that connect to that place and say, this is where certain stuff happens, or this is where my writing happens. Um, and so, uh, so, so figure that, figure that out. Okay. So routine, we got that. Okay. Secondly, outline. Okay. Now, I'm going to push back on the outline. Um, and, and she actually has some good, good insights here. Um, by the way, I didn't write this article, so, um, you can take it up with her, but her name's, um, uh, Henry, uh, Juntilla. I think that's actually a woman. Um, so it's H E N R I, uh, J U N T T I L A. I'll put her name in the, in the show notes. She's a freelancer and, uh, runs a, a website. Uh, but she says you need to outline. Um, and I agree on on one level. 
So when you when you write and you start, you kind of have it need somewhat of a plan. Now outlines can be so nebulous uh, because I think there's been there's been books written about outlines. Um, th- there's uh, people that say this is the only way to outline. I really don't think it matters honestly at all. Here I'll I'll, I'll tell you I've I've written about. Uh, 11, almost 13 books, fiction and nonfiction books. And I'll tell you that almost every one, it was a different process. Now I will say with outlining, if you are, and she actually says this in the article, if you're doing nonfiction, you probably need a little, little bit of an outline, a little more information as opposed to fiction. And so, um, so, so you need a kind of some fences. You need, you need a way to kind of begin and say, okay, I got an idea. Here's some, some ideas or questions that I want to answer in my work. Um, I need to write those down. Um, but I will say all the things I've written, it, they've taken on different shapes and sizes. Some have heavy outlined, some have hardly outlined. It just depends on what, what it is. It depends how inspired I am. Depends on how much I've thought through it or need to think more through it. Um, and those kinds of things. So, so outline, um, is really just a map and, and why I say it's nebulous is because I think when we think outlining, we go back to school and I remember in eighth grade, I had a history prof or teacher that, that taught us this really detailed way of outlining, um, and, and even taking notes where, you know, this number system and, and all these, you know, just symbols and kind of crazy and just very, very detailed. Now, if you want to do that, that's fine. Um, but I will say if you're writing fiction, I just want you to be careful with the outline is sometimes if you get too detailed, you're going to kind of suck the life out of the actual process of writing. Um, I, I think you need a, enough to kind of get you going, but, but I feel like even with characters, sometimes those characters need to change. Um, they, 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 they need to have different motivations than maybe what you thought of in your head. And, and I think sometimes that, that process of just over outlining is also just another excuse to not write anything. Um, because outlining isn't writing. Um, some will say it is, it's not, if there's not new words on the page, uh, that's going to be eventually shared with the world or shared with your dog or shared with your friend, that's not writing. It's just outlining. That's pre-production. It's before you actually begin. Now I'm not saying that's not work or it's not important. It is. You got to make time for it. Um, but be careful how you outline. And again, it's nebulous because you can have just one sentence. Let's say you're, you're writing a book and you're like, Hey, I got 30 chapters and each chapter I'm just going to have a sentence to say, okay, this is going to happen. And then the next chapter, this is going to happen. And this is going to happen. This is going to happen. Maybe you just have uh, three characters and you write just a little one sentence um, idea about who they are, or who you think they are. Um, and I promise you when you get them in a room, they're going to change. So don't, don't get overly obsessed with the outline. Um, now if you're writing nonfiction, um, again, outlines are important, um, as far as research books, you've read quotes, things like that. Um, but I think even in that is it's better just to, to begin kind of writing and, um, and, and kind of let it evolve where it needs, needs to go. Because I think as much as we think we have kind of the whole idea done, like a whole book done, um, when you look back, you go, man, I, I, I took a whole different direction it took all kinds of different angles and went all kinds of crazy places. Um, so if you're, you're a heavy outliner, be a heavy outliner. If you're not, you're not, uh, again, don't let outlining be the thing that kind of keeps you from actually writing, um, and be the thing that, that kind of holds you up. You need to just begin to kind of get words on the page, which I think segues beautifully. Um, if, if we can have a beautiful segue and I'm actually going to sip my coffee because coffee is vital for the writer. Um, 
seven habits of a prolific writer coffee is not on here. I have problems with this article, but coffee should be woven into all of these, um, or some kind of stimulant, um, uh, of some sort to keep us alive and awake. I have small children, so this is, um, vital for me. And I digress. Third, which I think fits nicely is first draft first draft. So you got an outline, you got something going, you got an idea, you got some characters in a room, they're talking to each other. You got a nonfiction book, you got some uh, questions you want to answer. Um, and then you need a first draft. And, and here's the thing with, with first drafts um, is I love what Anne Lamont said in bird, bird by bird, um, her writing book is she says, you got to give yourself permission to write shitty first drafts, which I think is, is, is important because here, here, here's the deal. Okay. A couple thoughts on that. You're going to look at that first draft and you're going to look through that pat first pass through, and you're just going to, you're going to be horrified. Uh, you're going to have so much self-doubt and so much struggle that you just want to jump out a window, um, or burn your computer or burn your paper and just go do something else. Um, and, and that's absolutely normal. Now here is, is where I want to challenge a little bit of what is said in the article. Um, It says when you write your first draft, it should be lightning speed, which I agree. Um, You should get everything out of your head and on paper, let it flow uncensored. Don't worry about editing or rewriting that comes later. Now I would hundred percent agree with that for some people, um, but I'm going to tell you why my process has evolved and why my process has changed from this, this way of, of writing is one, I, I do write very fast. Um, and again, not because I'm a fast typist. Um, I just, I'm disciplined and I, I just put the words down and the words add up. And over a few days, a few weeks, a few months, uh, just a lot of words that are there. And I do write, write quickly. But here's what I used to do. And I'm going to tell you what I used to do and what I do now and why it's kind of revolutionized how I write. One is I used to take the advice of just write as fast as you can as quick as you can and get it out of your head onto the paper and don't look back until you're already to the very end, to the end of the first draft. And then you can come back and you can rewrite and edit and all that, all those kinds of things. Now that's not bad advice. Okay. Some are going to do that. Some of you are going to listen to this and say, that's what I do. I'm not going to listen to a word you have to say. How dare you attack my process? You evil human being. Well, let me tell you why I stopped doing that. Now, first I do write fast and I just move ahead. I I don't edit as I go necessarily. Okay. And so what I mean by that is if I'm writing a book, I'll write a chapter and I'll blaze through it. Okay. I'm not going back. I'm not checking stuff. I'm not researching. I'm not doing anything. I'm just going through it. But what has changed in my process was I used to just write and write and write and never look back, never look back and just keep going ahead, going ahead, going ahead, going ahead is I need, I needed to, how would I say this circle back and fix things as I went. Now there's a couple of reasons why I do that. So write a, let's say on a Monday, write a, write a chapter of, of a book. I'm actually working on a book right now. Okay. So working on this book, it's going to be an awesome book. Can't wait. It's, uh, I don't know if I'll give spoilers. I'm not giving spoilers yet. Okay. I won't give spoilers. Okay. Um, but I'm writing this book. I wrote a chapter on a Monday. Let's say it was a Monday. I don't remember what day it was, but it's a Monday, big pile of mess, big typos, all kinds of junk on it. Okay. 
And then the next day, before I begin my next session, is rather than going to the second chapter, which I used to do all the time, and forget about the first chapter, kind of knowing where I'm going to go, or seeing where I want to go, what I do is I now circle back and I begin to edit that first chapter. Now, when I say edit, I'm not rewriting that whole chapter. Um, I, I, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm looking at, okay, does it make any kind of sense? Is it clear? Are there things I need to add in? Are there typos? Are there all that, all that kind of stuff? And so what happens is as I'm, I'm kind of editing that first draft, I'm getting back into the story and, and I'm getting back into the story. And when I'm done with my, my first draft, when I get to the very end, it's a lot cleaner draft. Um, because here's the thing, and I know, and I know this about myself and maybe some of you, it's not a big deal, but I hate editing, hate it, hate it, hate it with a passion. I just don't enjoy it. And I couldn't figure out why I didn't enjoy it. And it's actually not because I, I didn't like editing or changing things, or I actually find the, the editing process much more enjoyable, but I had such a big, hot mess that it just took way too long. And so when it took, takes so long, it just takes you out of the writing and you don't want to write anymore. You just, you look at it and you're just like, oh, this is terrible and, and all kinds of problems and all that. So, um, I've heard a couple writers that have kind of taken this advice. Um, and I've actually taken the advice from them. Uh, one of the, one famous writer is Lee Child. Isn't Lee Child or Lee Childs? Um, he writes, um, the Jack Reacher novels, um, and I've heard him in interviews actually talk about that, where he writes one draft and he's done, which sounds crazy. But what he does is he edits as he goes. And so he writes a chapter. And then when he comes back the next day, he goes through it, tweaks it, changes it, gets it exactly the way he wants it. And so by the time he gets to the end of his book, he has a very, very clean manuscript. Um, and, and, and then when he gets, sends it off to the editor, they make a few suggestions, he f- tweaks a few things and it's ready to go. Um, I know another author, Dean Wesley Smith, as I, I've mentioned him before, um, he wrote a great book, um, called writing into the dark. Um, I think it's writing in the dark. Um, it's about writing without an outline. Um, and he uses this process of kind of circling back and, and I've kind of stolen that from him too. Uh, as he's writing, he kind of circles back and, and, even in the same session, and he'll look at the words he has and where the story's going and tweak a few things. And then when he comes back, he can change it. And then, so when he's done, he, he really has to just on the second pass, he's not doing a big, huge uh, rewrite. He, he's really just tweaking some things and fixing some typos and f- making sure the continuity's there. Um, but the editing is, is very minimal. So the first draft go as fast as you can. Yes. Hear that. But when you come back to it, tweak it a little bit, fix it a little bit, because you'll be so thankful um, when you get back to the rewrite part of it. Um, and, and I think that's that's just a, a really helpful way uh, to do it, because because again, if you're if you're so bogged down with the rewrites and the edits, your motivation is going to be very very minimal. And I know we don't have a lot of time, and and so. We don't have a lot of time. Maybe you're, you know, making millions of dollars on your books and you can just take your time and just leisurely write one book a year, every five years. But for most of us and most writers, and actually historically, that's not the case. Um, Isaac uh, Asimov, I've, I've quoted before, talked about before, r- wrote over 500 books in his lifetime. Unbelievable. Didn't rewrite. Didn't do heavy edits. He just went through 
fix some things and and send it off to the editors and uh, and, and published and and most prolific writers uh, historically have writ- written that way um, and so think about that first draft um, and don't think of it just as well it doesn't matter because we're just going to rewrite anyway is it's, it's kind of you're almost kind of blending the two okay so first drafts right write fast go back circle back edit tweak. And I, let me add this. I'm actually, you can tell I'm very excited about this point. I don't know why. Um, but but also what happens is when you go back, and I just realized this a couple of days ago when I was working on a, on a project, is I'm actually adding in more words typically. Um, so my word count is actually going up as I go back to that first chapter, fix some things, add in some, some color, um, add in some details. I actually write very thin the first time through. Um, and actually we have a little article up called writing thin, um, it helps me write fast, but then I can add in things and kind of give it some more flavor and, um, give it some more detail. Um, and as I kind of discover the characters and things like that. So when I'm done with that first chapter, I've actually added in more words. I'm already 500 words into my daily word count, and then I can just go. And now I know where the story's going. Um, this process also helps you write what I call, you don't want the story to get cold or the book to get cold. Cause once it gets cold, you just start hating it and you're too far away from it. Um, and, and so it keeps the story warm. It keeps it fresh in your mind and, and exciting. And so, so try that out. Okay. Four, well, we'll keep moving along here. Rewrite. Okay. You write your first draft, you rewrite, um, you know, she recommends not rewriting right away. Let the article, let the book rest for at least 24 hours or more, sleep on it, um, and then come back to it. Now, this is very, very true. Okay, so in the rewrites, um, and again, I want to use rewrite loosely um, because I, I think you're more creative and you have better ideas than you, you give yourself credit to. Um, because I think when you write fast and you have ideas and they're just flowing out, um, that's your true voice. That's the voice you need. That's, that's the, the truest form. Um, and, and when you start getting into that demon critical voice, you start rewriting the, the crud out of things and you just take the voice out and you just rewrite and rewrite and rewrite. You never finish anything. So, um, rewriting, just be careful with rewriting. I'm telling you now, there may be times where it's just something just doesn't work. Something needs to be scrapped. Um, I was, uh, finishing some edits on a book, um, Actually, it was Antique Assassin book one, and I got to the end of the end of the no, no book two, um, and I was doing some edits on that on those ones, and um, got to the end and had to cut out the last chapter. It just didn't didn't fit, didn't work. Um, it really had no point, and so yeah, that's painful, but it happens. Um, but, but but here's the thing with rewrites is give it a little separation. And so even if I'm, as I said, I'm writing one day and then I come back to it, you're, you're separated from, and you kind of read it with fresh eyes, usually with, with eyes that aren't as tired and sleepy, because usually when you're writing it, you think it's the best thing that's ever been written, but you come back to it and you're like, Oh, that's not, not great. Um, and so give it some space. Um, if you're writing articles, blog posts, um, maybe you don't have that much time. Maybe you got a, you got a deadline, a tight deadline, even a few hours can really help. Um, I found that writing something in the morning and then coming back to it in the afternoon um, and just looking it over again with fresh eyes, you, you see a lot of things and, and, and you just have typically more inspiration. Um, if you're writing longer works, um, again, I would say give it some space. Um, the, the book I wrote for NaNoWriMo, um, you know, did kind of my, my process, first draft, kind of edited through, tried to clean it up a little as I went. 
um, which was really good and helpful. So by the, by the time I got to the end, I had a pretty clean draft, but, but then I kind of gave it some space, um, going through the edits now. Um, I've been done for, I don't know, two or three weeks. And so, so it's been a good process because I've given myself some separation from it to kind of come back with, with fresh eyes before I send it off to the editors. So, uh, so yeah, with the rewrites, just give it some space, give it some time. And that's kind of up to you what that looks like. Um, I know Stephen King in his book on writing, you know, says he, he'd give it, you know, sometimes weeks or months. Um, I, I find sometimes you don't want to get too far from the work um, because then it gets cold, as I said, and it feels cold and it feels foreign and you kind of forget what was being said and what you wrote. Um, so don't don't get too far from from the project. Had to have some coffee. Got to stay alive. Got to keep going. Got to keep going. So rewrite. You got to figure out kind of your rewriting rewriting process. Um, and and you know I have to admit I, I just don't even like the word because rewrite sounds like I wrote a bunch of stuff and then I just have to write it all over again. But I, I don't think that's always the case. That you have some good stuff there and rewriting is not just writing all over again, but but tweaking, refining, polishing. Um, and sometimes that takes a few passes and that, that's okay. All right. All right. So recap, want to write prolific. We need a routine daily. Want to write often. What's that going to look like for you? A place, a time, button the chair. You need an outline. You need a map somewhere you're going to go. You, you got got to know at least kind of where you're going, even if it's in your head or you got a 5,000 word outline, whatever you need, whatever's going to work. A roadmap. First drafts, write fast. Don't get too far. Uh, don't lose that first draft. Keep coming back, kind of seeing where it's going, just so you don't have to totally do a rehaul in the end. And then rewrite. Come back, polish, look at it, clean it up, tighten it up, give it some space. And then number five, which I, I think is really cool and uh, insightful, she calls number five demon bashing. Demon bashing. This is a biggie. Uh, when you write, you will run into your inner demons. Yeah. Ha, ha, ha. So you're going to run into that negative voice, that inner critic, that, that voice that tells you you're scum, you suck. This is the worst thing that's ever been written. Why do you even take the time? You need to go wash your car or do something else. Um, this is uh, a waste of everyone's one's time. So you're, she says, you know, you're not, you're not good enough. You have nothing to say. You might as well give up. Those are the, the inner demons, the critics. And here's the thing. Those inner demons and critics will never, ever cease. They're just there and always will be there. They're there before you start. And usually when they're there before you start, that's usually why we don't start. It's usually why we don't sit down, why we don't start writing um, because the demons are there. Um, and, and so you have to kind of fight through that and just keep going, knowing that they're going to be there. Um, you know, they're going to be there as you're writing. Um, and, and, you know, you can have your outline, you can be working on that first draft. You can be cranking through words and those demons can still be there. And, uh, that inner voice, that inner critic saying, this is not good. This is terrible. And, and what, what's, I think, uh, kind of amazing is that even as that critic is there, even as those demons are there is you can't wait for them to go away and you can't think they're going to go away. Um, because they won't, if you listen to interviews, you read books on writing people that have been writing for 40, 50, 60 years, produce tons and tons of books and work. 
they all still have that critic. It doesn't get any easier. Uh, just because you complete something, just because, um, you know, you've written 70 books, it, it doesn't get any easier. Um, you feel like a fraud. You feel like you don't have anything to say. Um, but, but I think this also comes back to the demon bashing is writing for the love of it is I think some of the demons in us and, and some of the inner critics, um, is, is because we, we we're so insecure and we feel like a fraud and we feel like people don't understand us. And why would you spend your time writing? It just seems like a waste of time. Um, is when you write for the love of it, it really fights that inner demon because you just don't care. You don't worry about it. You don't stress over it. It's just words. It's words on a page. I've heard, I've heard a writer say that before. It's just words. Just add more. You know, you don't like the words, just erase the words. It's not the end of the world. We're not curing cancer. Now, it doesn't mean our stories don't matter. It doesn't mean your voice doesn't matter. Of course it does. I'm all about story. I'm all about sharing your story. You need to share your story. You have, you have insights. You have experiences. You have skills. You have um, thoughts. You have stories that you need to share with the world and people need to read those stories. And, and, and I'm not saying that at all, but for you as the writer, it's just words. It's not, you're not going to die if you have to delete a couple words or change a few things. And, and again, you'll get better. It's just practice. You keep writing. It's practice. Writing is practice. Every book you write, every article you write, it's, it's just more practice. You're just getting better at the craft. You may not think it. You may go, man, I feel like I'm digressing or is that a word? Degressing, um, regressing. Um, but, but you are getting better. And so be aware of those demons in your head, those inner critics in your head, they're, they're always going to be there. Um, but I think even having a routine and just putting butt in chair and just working through that as those things begin to, um, cease and, um, and, and they're not as strong. Um, and, and that's also why I would not suggest editing as you go. Now, what I said earlier, you may say, well, it's not what you suggested. That's not what I mean. I don't mean as you're writing, you're just going back and continually, you know, fixing stuff. And, and you might a little bit, but when you do that, then you're really going to get into the inner critic and the inner demon and just go, this is the worst thing ever. Why, why do this? Um, so just be careful of that. So demon bashing, number five, number six, confidence. When you start out, you won't be very confident when you write and that's fine. It is as it should be. When you write a lot, you get better, you gain confidence. And I'm reading from the article. I've written millions of words and thousands of articles. I started out horrible, but I'm getting better with each passing day. There is no quick fix to finding your writing voice or eliminating fear. It all comes down to sitting down and writing. And that is a very true statement. You will get more confident. Now, confident doesn't mean you always write the greatest things. Confidence doesn't mean that every book you write is going to be a New York Times bestseller. Um, everything you write is, is what people want to read. That has nothing to do with it, but you do get more confident. I I'll say the, the hardest thing for me, I shared in the first episode that my writing journey began when I was about eight years old and I, I wrote these stories. And, and one of the things I didn't tell about, about that story was there was a, really a time where I, I didn't write anything. Um, there was kind of a lack of confidence. Uh, I wrote a lot of stories as a kid. You know, I got a little bit older, wrote a little story, but then there was, you know, probably 10 years. I, I just didn't write anything and probably till I got back into probably early twenties or something. Um, that was a long time ago. Um, but, uh, there was a, there was a confidence there that was kind of lacking. 
uh, and, and it wasn't because I had any dreams of getting published or, or, or selling a book or, or what have you. Um, those things came later, but, but I, I remember just kind of taking that when I, when I wrote one of my first kind of shared published public thing, there's just no confidence. I just, I, I just thought it's horrible, even though people said it was good and, and they read it and liked it. Uh, and then reviews started coming in and people actually liked it and said nice things and bought copies. And, and I just, I, I could just couldn't believe it. I just kind of was like, I don't know what you guys are reading. This is horrible. Um, and there's no confidence there, but see, that was the very, very first, first, first thing that was really done, written, rewrote, edited, and then shared you know, ebook print, people actually bought it, etc. Uh, that was book one, but then, you know, book two, book three, book four, more articles, uh, written for different websites, blog posts, just, just word hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and thousands of words, projects started, par- projects ceased, probably millions of words. Now, uh, confidence was being built this kind of muscle, Now, when we talk about confidence, we're not talking about you're never going to have inner demons, but you're going to be confident to kind of fight through those demons and those critics. You're going to be confident that you can put words together. You're going to be confident that you can. And I think the most important thing is that you can finish the the project and you can ship it. Uh, You're not just going to fizzle out and phase out because that, that was my story. Just how many projects I was actually, I've been going through our company's, some of the files and I had this little file called ebook projects. Um, and I used to kind of start a file and I'd begin a project in there. And, and sometimes they were just ideas. Some of the, some of them were actually manuscripts that I began. And I was amazed how many manuscripts, how many projects I began and did not complete. Um, and I, and I was a little bit saddened by that. And actually there's some projects in there that I'm, I'm going to actually revisit because they were good starts and they're good ideas. But, but what, what it was saying to me was I I wasn't overly defeated, but what it was saying to me was I just lacked the confidence. I just started and writing this sci-fi book and just didn't have the confidence. Wasn't ready for it. Had a bunch of nonfiction projects. There's a book on leadership I was writing and a a book on writing that I was writing. And I just didn't have the confidence. I, I just couldn't do it. Um, but you know, that was, some of these are years and years and years ago. And, uh, and, and so I, I look back and I, and I just realized that, that in the moment, it doesn't feel like you're gaining confidence in the moment. It doesn't feel like you're getting better in the moment. It, it just feels like you're lost, but man, I can tell you when I look back, there's all kinds of confidence that's been built. And it's just by daily putting in the time, putting in the work, finishing your work shipping your work and sharing it and then doing it all over again. And just time after time, after time that there's a confidence that's, that's built there. And, and again, I didn't know it was really happening. I didn't know I was even getting better, but, but it is happening. And I think that's true with a lot of things in life. Um, you know, I, I do a lot of public speaking actually weekly. And, and one of the, the, the realities is that when I first started, I mean, even when I had opportunities in high school, to do presentations. It was horrible. And and I hated it. Um, and, and it wasn't that I wasn't a good communicator. I just lacked the confidence that there wasn't a muscle that was built. I didn't have the sense of, I can do this and I'm good at this and, and and I'm going to, I'm going to work at it. 
and, and so confidence is a big, big, huge thing. And I think confidence comes by doing confidence comes by experience. Confidence comes by falling on your face, but putting in the time that confidence is being, being built. And so as you, you, you just continue to write and put in the words and put in the, the time, you're going to find your voice. You, you're going to find, um, what you need. Um, and, and you're going to sit down and you're just going to have that muscle that's kind of been built. Um, and, and I need to drink some more coffee. Coffee's getting cold. That means we're, we're getting close to the end here. So confidence. And lastly, and this was actually a gem that's so underutilized and such a simple tool for the prolific writer's toolbox is read. Number seven is read. You have to read a lot. I, I am appalled by how little people read um, that are writers. I'm appalled at how little people read just in general. It's like we went to school, got a job, and then we just stopped reading, which is ridiculous. If I was your boss, I would probably fire you if I knew you didn't read. Uh, because there's always more to learn. You know, books, your business, books on business, you're a leader, you're a leader leadership books, um, your pastor, you know, theological books, theological studies. There's so much more to learn. There's so much more to grow. Um, but but there's also a, a piece of reading is because you're, you're, you're getting inspiration from the book. Um, the article says they gather inspiration from books. They observe the structure other writers use. They steal what resonates with them. Um, and there's no, no problem with that. There's nothing new under the sun. And so you're always getting inspiration. You read a book. I've had all kinds of ideas from books that I've read fiction and nonfiction. Um, you're seeing how people put sentences together. You're seeing how they put paragraphs together. You're seeing how the story flows the different ways. And, and there's a million different ways to do it. And that's, what's so exciting. It, it, reading, just opens up a whole new world. And, and I would say when you read is to read broadly. Don't just read what you like to read. Um, stretch yourself. Read some things that you don't. Maybe I wouldn't say don't like to read. If you don't like to read, you probably won't read it. But 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 in different genres and different um, disciplines. So, you know, you love you write horror books and you love to write Steve. You love to read Stephen King. That's fine. Um, read other horror writers. Hopefully you do. Um, uh, there are a lot out there. Um, but, you know, read history, read philosophy, read theology, read leadership, read, you know, just, just other things. What I found is, is, is you just get this beautiful picture mosaic of just all these different voices, um, and, and, and how they put words together and how they share their, their thoughts and their ideas. And it gives you all kinds of inspiration. Um, and, and I will say this, and, and I know people debate this and, and I don't think there's a, a heavy or hard rule on this. Um, but you know, they, they say, well, should you read while you're working on a project? Should you read while you're writing? Um, I, I think so. I just don't know how you stop reading. I don't know how you can work on a, on a book and then just say, I'm not going to read for the next six months or month or two or whatever. Um, I think for me, that just doesn't work. Um, and, and I, I think there's this weird thing where people say, well, if you, if you read while you're writing, you're going to start sounding like that person. I, I don't think that's necessarily true. Um, and, and I think that's a little arrogant to be honest. So if you're writing a, a fiction book and you're reading Stephen King and all of a sudden you're going, Oh, I sound like Stephen King. No, you don't sound like Stephen King. Don't, you don't have to worry about that. Um, 
Stephen King is Stephen King. Uh, and again, you, you may pick up some phrasing or you may pick up some structure or sentence structure or lines the way he writes or whatever. But, but I don't think that's, that's a, 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 a fear. I remember I was writing, um, a, a, a book and there's a scene in the book, um, that I realized was, was inspired by the show breaking bad. And, uh, it was a scene in the breaking bad. It just kind of stuck in my mind. It's not a reading, but, but I was, you know, taking in media. I think TV's great. Movies are great too. Cause it's digital stories. Um, but I remember just kind of being inspired by that and thinking about that. And I just kind of made my own, but, but see, that's what, that's what happens too, is you, you get insights and you, you get ideas, um, from reading. So read a lot, read broadly, read widely, read, you know, don't just read the bestseller list, read indie authors, read, um, people you've never heard of. And, and you'd be amazed how, how good these books are. Um, and, and I think there's just a, a misnomer that, well, if it's not Stephen King, then it doesn't really count. You know, Stephen King has written some crappy books too. And so is James Patterson and Lee Child and, and, um, you know, all the guys and, and women that are out there, bestsellers, all their books aren't great, by the way. They're bestsellers because they have a brand and they have names. They could sell the phone book and they would probably be a bestseller because no one would know otherwise. Excuse me. <coughs> I'm coughing now. We got to get to the end. Start coughing. It's time to go. Um, so there's a lot of great stuff out there. I, I With our Rock House Publishing, we're really trying to encourage all kinds of writers um, that they have a voice and they have something to share and not to think that, oh, well, if I'm not Stephen King or I'm not that, that good that I have nothing to say. And I just don't think that's true. I've written, a, I, I've read a lot of people's work, people you've never heard of that are great writers and have a great voice and have something worth saying. Um, so read a lot, read broadly, read often and read Kindle, Read Nook, read whatever device, iPad, read in paper. It doesn't matter. That's the, not the point. But, but you know, the other thing is just have a book with you always. I, I love my phone because I have a Kindle on there. So I'm never without books. Go on vacation. I got a book right there. I'm just always reading. Um, love it. And you should too. And I think if you're a, if you're a parent, um, is get your kids reading at, at a young age. It's never too late. Um, I, I think what happened to me was I had aunts and uncles and parents that love to read and, and expose me to some great literature at, at an early age that I realized when I got into junior high and high school and you had to read those books you didn't really want to read. And I don't think we're mature enough to read. They just were terrible. Um, but because I had this kind of backdrop and, and backbone of uh, foundation of, of good books and fun books and enter- entertaining books and, and fun books. Um, did I say fun already? I don't know. Uh, I just loved reading and always have. And so, um, I think that's just essential, uh, for becoming a prolific writer. So seven habits of a prolific writer, you need a routine, you need an outline, you need a map. You got to crank through that first draft. Don't edit as you go, edit later, come back to it, tweak it, rewrite that thing, make it pretty, polish it. However that looks, give it some space. Let it breathe a little bit before I give it some fresh eyes. Five, just those demon bashing. You know, there's going to be inner critic, critical voice coming in. Just got to fight through it. Got to walk through it. People need your stories. Just fight through it. Got to have confidence. You'll gain confidence as you do, as you write, as you put words down, and as it grows, and you'll just continue to get more confident to do it and then just read a lot, number seven. Uh, so I'll put the, the article here if you want to read it. It's very short. Um, 
But I uh, hope you enjoyed the seven habits of a highly effective, prolific writer. Uh, check out the iTunes um, space for the prolific writer. Leave a review. I'd love to have a review so that people can find our podcast. Check out rockhousepublishing.com. Um, all kinds of books there. More books coming out. Got another uh, book coming out called The Boardwalk coming out this fall. We're excited about that title um, by Ryan Bennett. It's a great book. Um, and uh, we'll check that out. Um, got some other titles coming out constantly. Check that website out. And, and what's what's beautiful about our publishing company is not just um, that we love to tell stories we do and we, we will continue that and bring more writers on and, and, and share the love. But we also want to help writers. Um, and that's why we're doing this podcast is – the, the publishing company wouldn't exist if there weren't prolific writers and there weren't people that are actually putting in the time and producing the work. And so um, we want to help you. We want to inspire you. We want to encourage you. We believe your story matters. We believe you have a voice. We don't want gatekeepers or publishing or the way things are to kind of hinder that. And so we want to help and encourage and get people writing um, all the time. We want them to write often. We want them to write fast. We want them to write, write well. And so we're really dedicated to that. So this podcast, the articles we write, the books. Um, give us a shout, send us an email, follow us on Facebook. You have any questions, you have project ideas, you need help. We're here to help in any way that we can. And so this is Ryan. I'm, I'm going to check out and, uh, my coffee's cold, uh, and I need a refill and uh, I got to get to some work and some writing. And so, uh, yeah, it's probably time to go. So, Hey, have a great uh, rest of your week and, uh, we'll talk to you real soon. Thanks for stopping by the Prolific Writer Podcast. Please leave a review on iTunes so we can help more writers share their stories with the world. And head over to rockhousepublishing.com for books, resources and other writing and publishing tips. See you next time.